Do you trust him this morning? Do you trust that God is going to help us right now? Do you trust him? I've been wrestling that all week. When Brother Jim asked last Sunday, so what's this Sunday? And um, I believe that the Lord has um, brought some truth as a reminder in my life, and I think he's calling me to share it with you guys this morning. And um, I just, I do pray. I pray that it honors him and that, um, that we would be, we would be built up, that we'd be encouraged. And this is not typically how I begin, but I feel like God's just calling me to give a testimony this morning. And it's a testimony that goes way back to yesterday. And um, woke up yesterday morning and just had the thought, I'm so glad that I've got a day to be home and and I know it was the Spirit because I ignore so much of this through my flesh. The Spirit put on my heart. You get to spend morning time together with your sons outside doing chores. Because a lot of times I do that the night before, <clears throat> so I don't have to mess with it in the mornings before I go to school. Um, didn't work out that way, so now I had chores to do Saturday morning. Okay, And the thought wasn't, well, just go get them done so you get on your business. The thought was, you get to spend time with your two young sons that desperately need you to spend time with them. So I was excited. I was looking forward to it. My two boys, for those who might be listening who don't know, DJ is six, Ethan is three, and they are always, always so very eager to go out and help Dad with chores on the farm. And there's times when, Dad, can we go outside? And I say no. And I'm going to have to stop and really reflect on is that because of me being selfish? And conviction is already setting in. Yeah, probably. You're just trying to get the job done so you can go with something else. And uh, God, help me with that. But they're always excited and eager. And I want to encourage that in them. <clears throat> so Saturday morning we woke up with all the rain. You guys have a bunch of rain. It didn't just hit down on our farm, right? Woke up and um, you could hear, even through our back patio door from our bedroom, you could just hear the creek rolling. I mean, it was just rolling and churning down there in the lower field. And there was plenty of mud and puddles, a perfect morning for rubber boots. I was thinking about that for the boys. They're going to love that. So as we stepped out the door and headed down to the barn, it's almost like I had to rein them in. You know, I had to remind them to stay with me and not run out ahead because the ground was so squishy. And then we didn't want any... Wipeouts. Can you picture it? So I told them, I was very clear. Okay, we're going to go down to the barn. We're going to drop off our milking stuff. And then we're going to feed the goats that's up here by the barn. And then we're going to go down to the lower field and we're going to feed some hay to the cows. And they really like that because that's where our our big 48-foot-long box trailers back there in the field where we've got all of our square bales stored. And they love climbing that ladder and getting up in that box trailer and rooting around. And can you see them? Because they love it. So I was finishing up feeding the hay to the goats up by the, by the barn. And I looked around and guess what? They weren't by me anymore. 
And I happened to look up and I saw a head kind of going down beneath the hill that's there, you know, that crest of our hill that goes down towards a flat spot. Those that have been there at our house. I saw a little head kind of bebopping and disappearing. Like, oh boy. So I finished feeding the hay and I was walking back there and I heard giggling and I heard a little bit of, ah! So I crested the, the hill and started walking down and there's, there's Ethan trying to get up from the middle of this great big puddle back there in the back of the yard. And as I reflect on it now, I have a different mindset than the moment when I crested that hill and started walking back and seeing my two boys that were supposed to stay by me back there and Ethan dripping and muddy and stuff. And and uh, I'll be honest with you. I'd like to say that parenting has proven to be one of the most purifying fires that the Lord consistently uses for my sanctification. Consistently uses for me. And uh, so often the Lord uses parenting to draw attention to the logs, plural, to the logs I have in my eye. And on this day, so long ago yesterday, he used my son's as a means to remind me of one such log that I had just blatantly in my in my eye. Because I always try to take situations and ask for wisdom that God would give me the ability to take whatever the situation is, regardless of how disappointing, discouraging, deflating, aggravating, whatever it is, he would bring me about in that moment so that there can be good come of it. And one of the things that I asked the boys when we were standing there, I just, I just, the thought came. I just asked them, boys, do you love mommy and daddy? Do you love us? And they both were, yeah, yeah, we love you guys. We love you. And then I asked the question, well, what are you, what are you doing that's showing mommy and daddy that you love us. And they just kind of stood there. Nothing. There was nothing that came to mind. Neither of them could point out anything that, ref- that they reflected that they, were, that they loved us. They were living entirely for themselves. Now, you know, when that thought came about my two boys, what did the Spirit do? Started nudging me and saying, Dusty, do you see that right there? That same question you asked your two boys. He was calling me to self-examine. You say, Dusty, that you love God. What evidence is there in your life that reflects or shows that you love me? Now, I'm not going to leave myself on this by myself, so I'm going to ask you that same question, okay? So you can wrestle with this alongside me. What evidence is there in your life that reflects or shows that you love God? I don't know about you, but 
I'm a little bit more practiced than my young boys when it comes to justifying or proving my point, right? So what evidence do I have that I love God? Well, here you go. I pray and I read the Bible sometimes. I love and and honor my spouse sometimes. I lead my family in worship and Bible time sometimes. I don't forsake the gathering of the saints sometimes. You might be thinking, wow, he's knocking it out of the park with those answers. And the truth is, I have no ground to stand on. So before I continue to stumble in my justifications of how I love God, I think it's essential that we hear from Jesus about what he says about loving him. Do you agree? It's not about what we think, it's about what he says. Amen? What does Jesus say about us loving him? Chapter 14 and verse 15 of John. John chapter 14, verse 15. This is Jesus, and he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's the Savior telling us, if we love him, what that reflection will be. And again, in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, This is Christ's response, Jesus' response to someone asking him about, well, what's the most important thing, right? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Is it important? Is it important that we love Jesus, that's the question that's basically the center of what we're talking about right now. Do you love Jesus? Do you? I asked this question on the way to to church this morning to my kids, and I said, don't give me an answer yet until after the message. Because aren't we so quick to give the answer of, well, yeah, Yeah, yes, yes, I love Jesus. Well, how do you know? How do you know? How do others know that you love Jesus? Two verses that kind of help clarify, if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. And then the other reply Jesus had was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So is the evidence that we love Jesus just doing the things he tells us to do? Is that it? Is it just doing the things Jesus says? Are there, are there emotions or feelings involved? Or is it just our obedient actions that prove that we love him? What do you think? Is it just the doing? I'll give you an example. Son, go put that over there on the shelf for me, please. That was doing, right? 
But what was the heart? What was the motivation? I would say that kid with that disgruntled face and bad attitude, sour face, plopping it down, coming back, I don't think that they did that out of love. Am I wrong? So when you, th- you claim that you love Jesus, and then let's say you do start making off check boxes of the things that you're doing that Jesus commands you to do, and you feel like, well, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that. Does that prove that you love Jesus? I think the following verse, the following verses help clarify the weightiness of the love Jesus has in mind. Again, let's go back to him, the one who defines and clarifies his expectations. And this is, this is difficult, but, but let's, let's consider this together. Matthew 10, verse 37. We're looking at these two verses to help us have a better clarity of the weightiness of the love that Jesus has in mind. Because remember, we're trying to counter, well, is, is loving Jesus just being obedient and doing the things he tells us to do? Is that, is that love? Or is there something more? to just actions, okay? Matthew 10, 37, this is Jesus speaking. He says, He who loves father or mother more than me, Jesus said, is not worthy of me. And again, he says, And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So Jesus helps us identify this love as more than just actions. How? By relating it to how we feel about our family or loved ones. And some of you may be thinking, I don't really think my thoughts about this family is over here is really love. Well, let's set that aside because we would all agree a lot of time those thoughts would not be loving. We're talking about the love a mother and a father have for their child who, even though they just sometimes just, you still love them. You know what I'm talking about? How does a father and mother love their children? They treasure them. Our children are precious to us. They're gifts, right? The Word says that. Children are a gift from the Lord. We wouldn't exchange our children for any wealth this world has to offer. I don't care what it is. There is nothing. There is nothing as a parent that someone could give me that would even come close to even the beginning of the thought of it being in exchange for my child. It just, it's not, it's not even in the same realm, right? So once these verses help us have a better understanding of the love that we're speaking of, because Jesus, 
He used this, right? He gave this example. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That helps us have an understanding of what that type of love is because we can identify, we can relate to the love we have for our children. We can relate to the love we have to our parents, okay? Now, albeit a lot of times that might be skewed because of our inaccurate view of love, but it, it should help us to see that when Jesus is talking about if you love me, keep my commandments, it's more than just the action of doing. Can you gather that with me from that verse? It's more than just the actions. There are emotions tied to it. And a faint view of the love Christ is expecting of us toward him is a reflection of how we love our kids, how we love our our folks, how we loved our, our family members. So once these verses help us understand the love that we're talking about here, then we can compare the love we have for our family to the love we claim to have for Jesus. If we love our family more after reflecting upon it, if we love our family more, then we love Jesus, then we've made an idol out of our family. And we value them more than we value our Redeemer. And what does Christ say? He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Do you love Jesus? So how does one love Jesus more than anyone or anything else? How? Because in talking about that, you might just you might be sitting there thinking, I really love my kids. I love them so much. And if I'm honest with myself, I don't I don't know that I I don't know that I have that type of love when I think of Jesus. What when I say I love him, when I think that I love Jesus, what is it really? What am I is it just is it just words? I believe a picture of the foundation of the, this love can be found in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 47. And this is going to be from the perspective of Jesus talking to a Pharisee. In this Pharisee, we don't really know his heart. We do know his name is Simon. He invites Jesus to come over, and I don't know, maybe they're Maybe he's trying to capture Jesus in some type of situation or try to gather evidence. I don't know. We don't know Simon's motive and why he's inviting Jesus over. Okay, We just know that he did. We know that Jesus accepted the invitation. He goes over to Simon's house, and that's where we're going to start. Okay. The reason we're reading this is we're trying to help bring about clarity for us. So how does one love Jesus more than anyone or anything else? What's the root of that? What What is that in our life as a believer that would make the reality of, I love Jesus more than my father and mother. I love Jesus more than my children or sisters or brothers, okay? 
That's where we're heading. That's what we're, we're seeking to find that in the word. Okay? So we're going to start on verse 36. Again, Simon invited Jesus over. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, asked Jesus to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, what did she do? It says she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at Jesus' feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. So what did Simon do when he's seeing this going on? It says, now when the Pharisee who had, who had invited Jesus in saw this, he spoke to himself, so he's kind of murmuring, I guess, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. This lady off the streets, more than likely a prostitute, had come in and wept and knelt down and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair. And she had this fragrant oil. No telling how much it cost. And she poured it on Jesus' feet. And then this, this Pharisee's going, if Jesus knew who this was, he would not be letting her touch him. Right? How did Jesus respond? And Jesus answered and said to him, this is important. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So Simon said, teacher, say it. And Jesus continues. He says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, the man freely forgave them both. Tell me, Simon, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman, turning to this woman, using her as an example. And he says to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. 
So what can we gain from this? This instruction, this teaching that God gave in regard to loving. Did you catch that? She loved much, but the one whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. This is what, this is what I gathered. If we love little, it is because we view the price of our forgiveness as trivial. If we love much, it's because we've caught a glimpse of the priceless blood that our Savior Jesus shed for our sins. If we say we love Jesus, what is it rooted in? Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus more than anyone or anything else? This love that we're talking about, this love that we're we're seeking clarity from the Word to help us examine, to truly say, Can I give a correct answer? Can I give an honest answer? Jesus, do I love you, Jesus? This love is grounded in wonder and amazement that a loving Father would send His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross in your place. It is a love that sees Jesus hanging on the cross, having become sin for you. It's seeing His beaten body that was bruised for your iniquities and stripped and shredded by the lashes that brought your healing. It's beholding His labored breathing as He endures every last drop of wrath the Father has towards your sins. This love that we're talking about, this love is hearing the cry of Jesus proclaiming, it is finished, as He makes a mockery of Satan and his demons who believe they had won. This love is rooted in beholding a Savior who conquered death and rose again on the third day. It is confident of the Savior's words that when He ascended to heaven, that He will likewise return in all His glory to crush the enemy once and for all and take us to paradise where we will forever be in His glory, glorious presence beholding Him. This is the love. This is the love that answers the question. Do you love Jesus? Yes, yes, we love because He first loved us. So brothers and sisters, as we prepare to come and partake of communion this morning, He says, do this in remembrance of Me. What are we remembering? We're remembering the sacrifice that our Savior Gave. We're remembering the body that was broken. We're remembering the blood that was shed. We're remembering that He tells us, do this in remembrance of me. And when we struggle with honestly answering that question of, do I love you, Jesus? Jesus, you said, if If I love others more than you, 
If I love the, the precious gift of the family you've given me, these beautiful children that you've blessed me with, God, if I love them more than I love you, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of you, God. Help me not to make idols of the gifts you shower me with, God, because you're the Father of the lights. You're the one that all good gifts come from. Amen? He does not give us gifts that they become idols. He gives us gifts because He's relating His heart of love to us. And that love is no more clearly shown than in the love that He gives. He sent His Son Jesus. He sent His Son Jesus to die in your place. Do we love Him? Do we love Him? It's, it's like the love of, of Jesus when He gave us that example of that, that, that woman who came and, and she wept. She wept. She washed Christ's feet with her tears and with her hair and anointed His feet with oil. And He's saying, she knows her sins are many. She knows her sins are many. But because she loves much, she's forgiven. I want to be like that. I want my love to Christ to be grounded solely, completely, only in the fact that He saved me. He paid the penalty for my sins. That true reality of knowing that apart from Him coming, I'm lost. There's no hope. That has to factor in and be the foundation of our answer. Do you love Him? Do you love Him this morning? And I pray that His Spirit would help us to examine that. Because in this fallen world, it is so easy. It is so easy for our love and affection to shift, isn't it? It is so easy. I could preach this right now, and I was at the the table this morning in the gazebo just praising God, weeping. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving me. Thank you for helping me have a better understanding of do I truly love you? Because I do, Jesus, I love you. But I could leave this building today, go home and sit down in front of an idol, bring a bowl full of idols right up in shove them into my face, I could lash out at my wife, I could holler at my kids, I could immediately turn my gaze from the one who deserves all adoration to lesser things. And so can you. And if you're honest, you'll admit that. So where's our hope? Our hope is only Jesus. We sang the songs this morning. He will hold me fast. We know the truths of the word that we're called to renew our minds daily. We're called to take up the cross daily. Why? That we might crucify this flesh that so deviously gets in the way. That we can, we can counter and combat sin that is constantly seeking to destroy the enemy who's constantly throwing Fiery darts of accusations. Doesn't he? Have you been hit by any today? Have you been hit by some maybe right now? The enemy's saying, see, you don't really love Jesus. If you don't really love Jesus, then you're not worthy of him. If you're not worthy of him, you're probably not his. I'm going to caution there. Perhaps that's the spirit really causing you to stop and examine. Discern that. Have you come to the place in your life 
where you recognize your desperate need for salvation. And you know that there's no other hope apart from Christ. If God has brought you there, and in humility you've cried out to him, recognizing that he is your only hope to be saved, and you've put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ to believe who he is, what he accomplished on the cross, how he was buried and rose again from the grave, and how he has ascended to heaven with the promise that he will return. If you believe that, if you believe that, examine and pray that God would help you in the moments of weakness when our love turns to lesser things. And I pray that in those moments of clarity from what the Spirit does, it's the gift of the Spirit that draws us back to repentance. Do you know that? Even now as you prepare to come for communion, don't come in a manner that is unworthy of this. We have examples of that in the Word where there's people who are just taking it as a common eating, a common drinking They actually were hungry, so they wanted to eat because they were hungry physically. They were drinking, and they were drinking too much because they loved the drinking. They missed it. They missed the point. They they ate, and they drank in an unworthy manner. They were like an unworthy vessel. They were like someone that Jesus said, you love them more than me. You're You're an unworthy, right? Do you see it? Does this matter to God? What makes us worthy? of coming up here and partaking? Is it all of our obedient actions? Is it having at least a slight majority of the checkbox marked so that you can come up here and feel worthy of partaking of this? That is not it, brothers and sisters. Please don't don't fall to that deception, to that lie. We come up here because we love Jesus. We come up here because we know He's first loved us. We come up here because we know He willingly paid the penalty for our sins. That's why we come up here. We come up here because He says to remember me. Jesus says, remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember that I loved you. Remember that I've called you. Remember that I've saved you. Remember that I'm keeping you. That's why we come. but may we not live a day without considering Jesus. Where's my heart? What am I seeking after? And may he draw us to him. May he draw us to him this morning as we prepare for communion. Brother Kenny, would you would you bless? I'd like to share a little bit. Uh heard a message recently helped me to understand a little better about the cross and uh, it was a message about uh, the flood and how God's wrath was poured out on every living creature against because of the sin of man he his his perfect wrath utterly destroyed the entire earth saved the ark and those that were in it and just given an idea of 
the holiness of God and how he hates sin in thinking about the cross and how the Father poured out his perfect wrath on the Son. And what a picture he is of the ark, but in this case, the ark had to be crushed and the lamb had to be slain. And uh, it's such a an appreciation when we think about that, about how God is holy and he hates sin. Never think that God is winking at sin. He hates sin so much he destroyed the whole earth except those that were in the ark. He destroyed his own son. He crushed his own son for us to take our sin upon his son that we would have life. And so thinking about then the life of the Christian as we believe and we are saved, and then we have this branch that's connected into the vine, and that's where the Holy Spirit flows to give us all that we need every moment to love Him with all of our heart, to serve Him. And that there's a joint there. There has to be a connection, right, of the branch to the vine. That must be the cross. Amen. So we stay by faith at the foot of the cross, and we see the life of Christ flowing in us every day to express gratefulness and love, service, and live a life that pleases Him by faith in Him. It's His life in us working. Lord Jesus, we thank You so much this morning. Thank You for the cross, Lord, for being slain, Lord, for our sin, our wickedness, Lord, the wrath of God poured out on His own Son. We give You thanks, Lord. We could not save ourselves, Lord. And You saved us, Lord, and we thank You, Lord. And we praise You and ask, Lord, that, that we would be eternally grateful and live a life of expression of love and gratefulness for who you are, Lord Jesus, and all you've done for us. Give us understanding. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for giving of your life, the breaking of your body, Lord, enduring, Lord, and handling that terrible wrath of the Father poured out on you for us and rising, Lord, to newness of life, to give us life and hope. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the cross. In Jesus' name.